Hello and welcome to Giant Mess, a sloppy sports and entertainment talk show that covers everything from the New York Giants and the New York Mets to movies, TV, comedy, and a whole lot more. It's hosted by a giant mess, yours truly, the real cinch Neil Lynch. I am unshaven, I am wet, and I am looking not good. I'm an Irish and Italian American. I graduated from a Catholic high school. I got the guilt, but not the follow through. And I went to a research university known for producing doctors and lacrosse players. And I said nay to each of those things. Instead, I like to tell funny stories. And I hope you laugh, because that's the main goal. I get one laugh, that's one extra credit, that's one bonus point, that's one little credit in, in the life meter. If this is a video game, it goes up by one. Every laugh I get, you're literally feeding my soul with all the laughs you give me. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can leave a voicemail at 862-268. Nope. 862-248. Nope. 862. You know what? No one uses the voicemail. Fuck it. <laughs> Who cares? Just look it up. Giant Mess phone number. Maybe it'll pop up. I don't know. You can subscribe to Giant Mess on YouTube. You can actually see my ugly mug making all kinds of weird expressions that you can't normally get when you're just listening to the pod on some kind of audio platform. You can subscribe to the pod on Apple or Spotify if you're not into the whole visual thing. You don't like using your eyeballs, I get it. You can follow me on the blog, neillynch.com. You can follow me on facebook.com slash giant mess. And then I'm real cinch on Twitter and Instagram. <gasps> on today's episode, I'm gonna recap that wacky road trip that the Mets had for the past week or so against the Braves, Phillies, and Yankees. A lot of emotions, a lot of ups and downs. Is it time to panic? The injury bug is in full force and wreaking havoc. We got the premiere of debut of Brett Beatty, and we had two of our aces looking not so ace-like. The Mets are the cure for what ails the Yankees. That's for damn sure. But we do have Philadelphia's numbers, so that's great. Thank God we're done with those. Uh, D-bags. I also talk about the Giants' preseason week two game against the Cincinnati Bengals, the defending AFC champions, Cincinnati Bengals, the uh, performance we got from Daniel Jones, my thoughts on Antonio Williams, breaking down basically every position group on the offensive side of the ball, and then taking a look at what we can expect on defense. Is all of this just one big mirage, or are we barreling towards disaster? That and more. So I'm cocked, I'm loaded, I'm ready to go. Let's fire away. I hope you enjoy. See you on the flip. The Yankees were something, and that was a big story. Like, 4-14. Four they've lost, uh, the pa- over the past 20, they've lost this many games, and now they're, like, only this many games ahead. And so, you know, I'm thinking the Mets are going to absolutely feast on these motherfuckers. And nope, they just got swept. They lost both games. Scherzer wasn't his, I mean, it's now back-to-back games where he's let up four earned runs. You know, he had that the viral clip of Aaron Boone pounding the table, and you think, oh, okay, we're getting the Yankees right at the right time. And it's like... Yeah, you dum-dum. That's not how the Mets world works. We are the team that's going to turn their woes around. But I really did think this year was going to be different. But there's still a little bit of Metsitis, you know, where it's like, oh, we're going to... Everyone's talking about the schedules and saying like, oh, well, you know, the Braves got off to, you know, are winning, are going these like incredible winning streaks because they've had such a, a weak schedule. And so they had a weak schedule in the beginning and then we had a tough schedule and we have a weak schedule coming up. And it's like... I I can't shake the feeling, and I know I I shouldn't say it out loud, but it's hard not to. I have to acknowledge it, because if I don't, I bury it deep, and it burns a hole in my stomach, and I get an ulcer, and then I can't see my baby get married. Uh, (laughs) Everyone's talking about this soft schedule that's coming up, but it's like, they just, someone said that the, the Dodgers, in their series against the Pirates and another shitty team, maybe the Marlins, 
It's like they're like one in five. And I could just see that happen to us where it's like we're just full on expecting to sweep or win these series. And maybe it's like we split or lose the series. And then we're like, everyone's kind of like, oh, God, no, it's happening. Yeah. September's a tough month for Mets fans. <laughs> Not sure if you're aware. I, I can't, you know, I'm, I almost want, don't want to say the word September. That's why I like the, the S word. That's the S word for me. We don't say the S word. We don't talk about September. No, no. We don't talk about September. And it's tough too. Like, I mean, that, that Philly series was awesome. And, and what, what, we haven't had a day off in how long? It's just, I just think they're tired. And I think they get our day off tomorrow. It's like they lost tonight. They lost the, the night before. You know, everyone's up in arms about, I know Scherzer's pissed at McCann. McCann's in a bad spot or it's like, you know, I think they, they someone posted a stat on Twitter where all the Mets catchers have an OPS of like less than 600, which is <laughs> it's just rough. Especially from, uh, I just don't, I look at James McCann and I know I don't know the guy personally, but I see everyone else on the team like getting along with each other and having a good time. It feels like there's a good vibe in the clubhouse, but McCann just seems like he just wants out. He's like, I don't want any part of this place anymore. Despite all the winning that we're, we're having, it just feels like he just doesn't want to be there anymore. I don't know. I mean, he's, he's struggling so bad right now. There, I mean, there are a lot of guys struggling right now. So the day off is good. It's a good day off. But that Mets Phillies series, you know, as much as I have, I'm haunted by Mets memories of old, you know, coming down the stretch in the season that, you know, how we have a tendency to after such a huge doubleheader game the day before, then coming back on a Sunday when it's a guy who I mean, the, the Mets are rolling guys out there. I have never seen or heard of. And I like, understandably, I'm not like a diehard. You know, I don't know the full like 40 man roster at, at single A like a lot of people do. But I do follow the guys on Twitter that know about the Mets minor leagues. And I haven't seen or heard a peep about any of these dudes. Like Escobar goes down, Giorme goes down, gets hurt. And there's uh, like, there's these like Perez Marrero, I think. And some other guys just like, what? what? Where's Vientos? Where's Mauricio? Where's, <laughs> where are all these guys that I keep hearing? Like I keep Alvarez, like I keep hearing and seeing them on my timeline and they're not up, but these guys I haven't heard a peep about are now at the major league level suited up and starting. Like what? And then of course everyone was all up in arms about Brett Beatty not coming up and then he comes up and he homers in his first ever at bat and it's like oh my god we have the next David Wright he's gonna be like Michael Conforto was for us in 2015 and then he's gone into a pretty bad slump now and he's made two pretty significant base running errors one of which he got away with and the other one tonight he did not where it's like he keeps looking at it's like just run dude don't look at what's going on <laughs> you know just run run Forrest run Whatever. I still think uh, as bad as the Mets Brave series was, and the only reason that was bad was because of all the injuries. You know, I think Walker leaving a game early, had another uh, Carrasco, all the freaking rain delays that they they exhausted the bullpen. You know, and you had to have Darren Ruff come in, and throw some, a couple scoreless, no big deal. So I think this uh, the day off will be great. But that Mets-Phillies game, that Sunday game, I've seen it so many times where we just stink in Sunday day games. 
it's just like no one wants to be there and it's just like awful and we usually lose but this one was like we had every right to lose or we have every uh chance or opportunity or excuse to lose you know we're throwing a pitcher who no one's ever heard of before but apparently he's the youngest i don't know if this is right but he's the youngest we're talking about buto 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 he's the youngest guy youngest mets pitcher to make his first start at 24 years old, which cannot be right because I remember that was like the whole thing or the appeal of like the Generation K with Pulsifer, Isringhausen, and who's the other one? I can't remember. Good Lord. But I guess they were not 24 like this dude. And of course, the Phillies get out to a big uh, start at the beginning, 4 nothing hole. And I think a lot of teams would have been like rolled over because it's like, all right, well, let's just split the series and get out of here. And they just kept fighting and kept fighting. And uh, what a finish. My God. Great win to pull out. Um, Mark Canna giving his like very memorable moment. That whole series for the whole season has been just highlight package. <laughs> like all the top Mets highlights seem to have come from the Phillies series. Like the, the combined no hitter coming down, coming back down from big to win the game early on in the season. This comeback, Canna's two home runs. <laughs> Uh, and the bat flip just is such an amazing bat flip, especially after Gene Segura, like in the was the bottom of the eighth, he had the home run and he like went nuts rounding the bases. And it, that probably just took out a lot. It's It's got to take a lot out of your team. And then you come in against the Yankees who have been limping and struggling with a bunch of guys in their lineup that are hitting under 200, under 200. Like Aaron Judge, who leads the league in home runs, is has gone powerless. You know, he's just um, you know, hasn't been able to hit the ball out of the yard. And of course, he 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 just he just mashes against us. And uh you're like, oh yeah, well that is the MVP candidate, the top one right there. Okay, got it. So it's unfortunate we lost both against the Yankees, but it doesn't phase me that much. I'm more concerned about I mean I, I there was a point where I was like, after we took four or five from the Braves, I'm like, I'm hearing chatter that the Phillies are the team to watch because the Phillies were on a, a hot streak, you know, ever since they got rid of Girardi. And so, you know, I was like, I guess we got to concern ourselves with the Phillies and not the Braves. But the Braves have now called up these two dudes that are like 21 years old, Harris and Grissom, that are unbelievable. Like, of course, the Braves would call up top prospects. And of course, they would just seamlessly integrate into the lineup and produce of course dude so you know we still have a bunch of games to go you know we still have that s word month coming up and uh my hope is that we can just hang, hang on to first and you still have to worry about the dodgers um because they just seem like they're just unbeatable in everything they do someone was saying dating back if you were to take the last 162 games for the Dodgers, they would have had they would have been like 116 wins or something like that. It's like, oh my god, dude. But as we've seen with like the Mariners and with a lot of teams that have like unbelievable, you know, amazing regular season uh efforts, they don't always win the World Series. And then that and that's when my buddy they brought up the Cardinals again. I was like, oh, I keep forgetting about the Cardinals, dude. Because there's always that one team, like it was the Nats in 2019, I think, where it's like no one expects them to do shit and like barely make the playoffs. And then they they coast to a World Series championship. And I think the Braves even got off to a, a pretty subpar start to last year and ended up winning it all. So uh, baseball, that's baseball, Susan. So, you know, I, I, I think they just got to stay healthy. 
you know, I think they're hopefully they'll get Tyler McGill back and he'll be able to contribute either in the rotation or out of the bullpen. Um, you know, Trevor May, uh, ever since returning, he's been kind of like a horror show for the most part. You know, as he comes in now and everyone's like, oh, well, here's at least a couple runs that we're going to be down. But, um, you know, I think he's just got to get his confidence back. And, you know, like like a lot of people have been saying, he just can't, you got to give him some movement and some variety on these pitches. You know, it's, you can no longer just throw 94 down the pipe. You got to, you got to locate and you got to get some movement on it. And Walker, I mean, Walker, he just has one bad inning per outing. It's just one bad inning and it's enough sometimes to lose the game. It's like he coasted for the first two and I think the third or fourth inning he gives up like two runs or something like that, but it could have been a lot worse, you know, um, where it could have been four or five or more. He just has that one bad outing every time, you know, and they're not allowing DeGrom to go past 75, 76 pitches so far. I think they have Scherzer on somewhat of a limit. You know, they they let Bassett go over 100 pitches, and it is smart for the most part. You know, you don't want to blow your wad in the regular season and then not have anything for the for the postseason. I think that's what happened to the Mets in 06, I want to say, where it was just like our starting pitching was running on fumes. But I don't see that happening now. I think even David Peterson, so nice to have him as a spot starter. Um, you know, he's been using that, uh, that slider effectively. And... Uh, you know, the hits god, Jeff McNeil producing, Lindor having, I mean, I can't believe that Lindor got snubbed from the All-Star game and he might not admit it, but he's got to be, that's got to be a chip on his shoulder and he's got to think to himself like, fuck that. And I know All-Star, All-Stars don't, shouldn't, selections shouldn't really matter. I mean, Taiwan Walker is a great example of it. He was an All-Star last year in the because he had a phenomenal first half and completely shit the bed in the second half. And you look at his final stat line, you're like, this guy was an All-Star? So I would, uh, I think he took that, he had to take that a little bit personally and he's been on a tear. And I know Polar Bear, uh, you know, Pete Alonso has been in a slump and he just, he snapped his bat tonight, but it's bound to, you're bound, it's bound to happen eventually for the majority of major league baseball players. You're going to go through a cold slump, cold streak. And I think he's got the, I think it just takes a little dink hit or something to turn it around. Doesn't take much for him, I don't think, you know? I mean, you know, I, I know that there were some people that were on him a lot of times because he, w- he would leave runners stranded or runners in scoring position, but he has, I don't know if it's still the case, but the most RBIs, like go-ahead RBIs of anyone with, you know, whoever meets the minimum of anyone in the major leagues, you can't say he's not clutch when that's the case. So, um, yeah, he's let us down a few times in the past week or so, but he'll come back. He'll come back strong. And that's the beauty of this team is that, you know, that you look at that Sunday game and pe- and we needed big clutch hits and Mark Canna was the guy to produce it. Sometimes it's Marte, sometimes it's Nimmo. I know Nimmo's been going through uh, struggles recently, but then there's McNeil to pick him up, you know? And uh, I think, honestly, I know I've said it way too many times in the span of this podcast, but that day off is going to be, I hope they go all you know, I'll go all spa day on people's asses. I know that like I've been a sloth ever since I came back from the the fantasy football weekend. Like there was too much food, and so I got to take some food home. I I took a a whole pizza pie home, ate the entire thing <laughs> that day, and it wasn't. It it doesn't feel like I was picking out because it was like I spread it out over the course of a couple hours. It wasn't like I just housed an entire pie in an hour. It's like I'd have two slices to kick it off. 
And then probably an hour later, I'd have a third. Another hour later, it's a fourth. You know, it's like it wasn't all at once. And then I ordered Chinese food. But that's completely different. That's something else. That's just uh, that's my tradition. Sunday night tradition. All right, so we'll get into the Giants, uh, Giants preseason. Week two's in the books. They beat the Bengals 25-22. Davis Webb looking like Aaron Rodgers <laughs> on the last on the last game-winning drive. And uh, Alex Bachman looking like, um, you know, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman type with his quickness and speed and his ability to, to cross up, accelerate, get in the end zone. Uh, I And, of course, we had the scare with Kayvon Thibodeau and his knee injury, which is not a torn ACL. It's, a, it's a, I guess, a sprained MCL, which I had my senior year in high school, you know, in preseason. I guess you'd call it preseason. I don't know what else you'd call it. Exhibition game against Malcolm X Shabazz at a home game on like a Saturday. And I remember I dropped back and I had a running back crossing shallow. And I went to, I stepped and threw and the guy went right at my left knee. And uh, I thought I heard something pop, but maybe not. And then um, I was like, wow, I've waited my entire life to be the starting quarterback for the varsity team in high school. I'm finally here and now I'm going to miss my entire senior year because this guy decided it go low and take a cheap shot. But uh, it was just spraying him the hell. <laughs> so I was only out. I was only out probably two or three weeks. And I don't even know if I had to wear a brace. Maybe I did wear a brace for that first game. Um, and it, it, I mean, it didn't really hurt my game anyway, because I can't, I'm not a fast runner anyway. But so once I heard it was the MCL spraying, I was like, all right, that's great. And even if he's not ready for week one, I don't know that's going to be a, make that huge a difference. Um. You know, I think we keep seeing these videos of him dominating in training camp or giving good reps in practice. And then I, I don't know that I've seen much of anything in the preseason so far that would make me think, okay, this guy is is, is going to take the game over. Um, and maybe this injury sets him back and we're not going to see what we saw or what we had hoped for. I think most people are kind of hoping that he's on the same level, maybe better as Aziz Ojolari was last year as a rookie, which uh, Ojolari is back now from injury. I guess he had a hamstring thing. He's back now and um, he's looking good. It's something like he's had triple or double the amount of QB pressures, hits and sacks than anyone else on the Met, on the Giants team so far this preseason which is encouraging um but i don't know that i've really changed my stance from what i saw after the patriots game like daniel jones comes out i think he starts most of the first half if not a a, a quarter and a little bit of the uh, second quarter and is perfect pretty much no arguments you know his interception was a tip ball wasn't really his fault um, it's possible he might have missed an open running back on the left that could have picked up chunk yardage, but he still threw it to a guy that got a first down. You know, it's like you could nitpick, and I do love to nitpick, but that it's like, okay, I don't know that that really changes anyone's opinion of him because it's against backups and it's preseason and it's vanilla looks and it's base packages. And it's like, you almost expect him to do this. And if he did anything worse than what he did, then there would be like a, 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 a reason for concern. At least that's my takeaway is like, if he had come out and sucked and completed half his passes and got picked up and got legitimately picked off once or twice, no touchdowns, then it's like, all right, panic button, smash it. But not that's not the case. I mean, he was perfect, but it's still like, it's a cautious optimism with him. You know, I think the 
I just I just like the the look of the offense from a scheme point of view perspective. You know, crossing routes, high completion attempts that are going to get you move the chains and that are alternating looks. It's not just let's run five yards down the field and turn around. Let's not run 10 yards down the field. Let's like use some movement. Let's move some guys around. Let's uh, and let's let Danny Dime. I think that's the saying this year, right? Let Danny Dime, you know, let Russ Cook. We're going to let Danny Dime. Tight window throws, which he is usually good at. I mean, that's what he was good at and excelled at in uh, his rookie year, 2019. And you saw it a little bit on um, on Sunday night, you know, with the back shoulder pass of David Sills and, uh, you know, the tight throw to Colin Johnson where he bobbled it a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you know, the, the, big air, the biggest concern, for me at least, on the offensive side of the ball is the wide receiver situation is just out of control. I have no doubt that Saquon Barkley is going to have a career year. I am, I'm oddly enough, even though I don't think we're going to win a ton of games, which maybe I need to backtrack on that after looking at the schedule and hearing about the schedule and like some of the teams we're going to face and considering that our defense, I don't even know what to think of our defense at this point, but I, I do think that Saquon Barkley is going to have a career year better than his rookie of the year. Uh, campaign, I think. I mean, he just seems so determined. And I think that um, you're not going to see the bullshit that you did in 2020 and a little bit of 21 where it's like, the guy has zero holes. And, um, you know, getting him in space, getting him in more favorable chances and opportunities, using him as a receiver, which I've been harping on forever for the past three seasons. Get get him the ball in space. It, it, like in I think Justin Pennick said, but on talking giants, like the running game, like the passing game to backs is an extension of the running game. You don't need to hand the ball off to him to be effective. Just get the ball in his hands in space so he can make a move and get you more yardage, baby. So I think he's gonna have a phenomenal year. The tight end situation's fucked. The wide receiver wide receiver situation is fucked, and the O line situation is not great. I mean, you know, you have to hope and pray to every God there is in the book that Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal stay healthy, that Glowinski stays healthy, that Lemieux's two toe thing doesn't become a th- doesn't become a ongoing thing, that it just Iwizu, Idwizu, Idwizu from UNC, that he ends up uh you know, that his raw t- his raw abilities are refined and he's able to contribute. Because, I mean, it's the interior of that line that kind of scares me. But, you know, someone posted a picture of them, that O-line, forming a pocket on Sunday night. And I was like, oh, so that's what that looks like. Cool, 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 cool. I've heard about this pocket, this so-called pocket. So, uh, has it changed my mind about anything? I don't know. I mean, I just think our, our tight ends, you know, I was hoping for more from Bellinger. I, I forget that we had 11 goddamn draft picks from this past draft and that seven of them are hurt or injured. Cool, I guess. Darian Beavers, he tore his ACL. You can't tell me that that freaking turf is not a monster that snatches souls and ligaments. That turf monster needs to be put down hard. I don't know if we need to call 11 from Stranger Things or we need to call The Witcher or who. But, like, this is just, it's absurd at this point. All losing good men. Lost some good men out there. So that sucks because I think Beavers was having a pretty good training camp, pretty good preseason games. Um, Like, there are just too many guys that I have not seen at all. 
I mean, Kenny Galladay getting zero targets and played 21 snaps on Sunday night, zero targets. Like, yeah, it's the preseason. It doesn't matter. But at the same time, just for our mental health, throw him a bone just so he can get a catch. You know what I mean? So he can stop all this conversation and talk because people are not going to stop talking about it. They're not. He's really got to, I don't know. I just, and now it's it's the, it's like the the writing's on the wall that Jones is just not comfortable with him now and that he's not going to go to him when the chips are down and the pressure's on. And so I have a feeling like I I ended up, and this is what's, uh, I guess you could say funny about my hypocrisy, is that last week I'm like, oh, I want him off my, t- I think I want him off my team. And then I drafted him on my fantasy football team. <laughs> He's good, great value pick though. I mean, I got him in like the friggin' tenth round or something like that. <laughs> but I look at his projected stats in fantasy football, and I'm like, oh my god, it's basically the same as last year. You gotta be kidding me. He's supposed to be our wide receiver one. Like Sterling Shepard is like, I guess thing. All signs are pointing to he might be ready for week one because if he's not, he'll have to sit out like the first four games or something. But, like, is he going to be what he was before? Probably not. He's basically going to be, like, what Victor Cruz was in 2016. It's like maybe he'll have a big catch here or there, but he's not going to, like, take over a game or make the same kind of moves that he's had and that he's done in the past. So it's like I'm not – I don't really have awful high expectations for him. Darius Slayton has done, like, a disappearing act. People are claiming that he's going to get traded. Galladay is, like, I don't know what is going on with him. And then we've heard nothing but good things about Wandale Robinson in practice and training camp. He hasn't done shit in the preseason games. I haven't seen anything out of him. And then Kadarius Tony is like, he's also like, I don't even, is he on the team anymore? I don't even know. He has some, he has a mystery injury, which is outrageous in this day and time, in this age. It just is. Mystery injury? Don't you have to disclose this shit? Isn't there a rule that, like league rule? So thing, it's, not a whole lot of, uh, it's not inspiring any kind of confidence in me whatsoever. Seeing that Galladay has a history of uh, injuries, Kadarius Tony has a history of injuries, Shepard's coming back off of serious injury, Slayton is just like nowhere to be found, Wandale Robinson might be too small. Like, you know, that was something I, I was thinking about and that it was kind of confirmed listening to Talking Giants with Bobby Skinner, is like the the plays that he got a touch that was like designed specifically for him and they were manufactured and they didn't do well. <laughs> so that sucks. So I guess ground and pound, baby, you know, it's going to be a lot of the leaning on Saquon and the running backs. It's going to be, we can run the ball and then we're going to try and do these checks down, check downs to whoever our backups are. I mean, Matt Breda, I guess is on the team. I haven't seen him at all. Gary Brightwell, I don't think he got any touches if he's still on the team on Sunday. It was mostly Antonio Williams and uh, Corbin, which I am kind of a big fan of Antonio Williams. I don't know if it's the 21 that he wears or what, but he just seems like he's a solid dude who uh, can make some moves and is a powerful, powerful being. So offensive side of the ball, I don't I don't see us scoring. I, I think we'll move the ball more. I think we'll score more points. I mean, we have to score more points than we did last year. But I don't see us making this huge jump to like, oh, we're now scoring 30 points every game. It's like, let's just be happy scoring. Let's just get over that 20-point barrier. Like, if we get close to that 
and over that each week, I think uh, we have a chance. And the defense, I mean, the Thibodeau injury sucks. Losing Beaver sucks. The big, the big. I mean, obviously, it's still the secondary that is is just. It's becoming a national joke now, a national punchline, which is great. Where it's like Aaron Robinson has no right being the cornerback too. How they don't have someone else to to step in there and fill in is uh, preposterous. But this is the this is what Gettleman has got us into. You know, we had a CB two, we had a CB one in Bradbury, but because of his salary cap mishaps, he's now gone to Philly, the worst place in the world he could have gone to. So I don't know. I know that uh, Clem from Barstool suggested that you know once the the cuts start coming down and rosters get pared down that we might p- snag just like an average cornerback, maybe like an older cornerback who just doesn't look as bad as Aaron Robinson. Um, so there's always hope for that. Um, but like the, Dane Belton, I haven't seen him at all on the field as a safety, a rookie safety. You have Julian Love and Xavier McKinney are your two starting safeties with Andrew Adams back in the back back in the fold. Our our defense is just hard to it's hard to gauge. Like, are they gonna be good? Like I, I feel like with Wink Martindale Martindale, they should be able to be a top ten defense. I know that's that's uh, very biased but i just don't think that's very unrealistic looking at what we had in 2020 when we were number nine ranked defense and i understand it's a completely different scheme and mostly different personnel but you get blake martinez back i understand he's coming back from a serious injury but he's still um better than what we had going on last year take crowder at the will which i thought was interesting Ojolari, thibodeau williams lawrence Adore jackson and then you got aaron robinson and darnay holmes who uh has still has not allowed a touchdown but still can't cover in man coverage i don't know what happened to Darius williams it's just like i don't know i could very easily see us and this is where the pass rushers really need to step it up because our secondary blows. So you, all you're hoping for is that Martindale is able to wave his magic blitz wand and cast a spell on the other team with all these aggressive uh, rush packages, and the quarterback won't have time to find the open guy. That's the, I mean, that's really the hope you're going for. I mean, we did not get a ton of pressures last year, and you know, I think that you know, people are low on O'Shane Zimenez. Is uh, Jihad Ward the answer? Probably not. So I, I don't know. I know that Wink kind of dialed back the blitzing in the game against the Bengals, but I, I, I don't know what the hell to expect in that opening game against the Titans in a away game. I have no freaking clue. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I mean, I still think it's an L for us. I think maybe we keep it close through a half at least, maybe into the fourth. But there's just way too many question marks with this team. Way too many. You know, I'm looking at this schedule again, and it's like, shouldn't we be able to beat the Panthers at home against Baker Mayfield? I would hope. The Cowboys, probably not. The Bears are a little bit of a mess, a little bit of a hot mess where they don't really have an offensive line. All the receivers passed away. Like that could be a win, should be a win, especially when we're wearing the old school 80s 
Giants jerseys and in, in unis in London against Green Bay, which that feels like an L. Home against the Ravens, that seems like it's probably an L unless uh, things get really go sideways with Lamar Jackson in that contract. Um, at Jacksonville, which who knows what the Jaguars are? Like, is, is this the year that Trevor Lawrence is actually good? Like, is Christian Kirk the answer for them at wide receiver one? And is Travis Etienne Jr. going to be like, their go-to guy in the backfield they don't have a kicker santoso the fucking dude that was on the giants who's like crushing 60 plus yarder field goals in a a dome (laughs) and now he's uh off the team they don't have a kicker but uh, also screw doug peterson so that's the doug peterson revenge game and i hope they blow the jaguars out of the water but who knows who knows at seattle i mean you would gotta think that should be a win because they're they're in a state of disarray with their quarterback situation against the tech like home against the Texans, home against the Lions. You have, what's his name? Davis, Mills, and then Jared Goff. So this is what people are talking about with the schedule. Like, it's just, you're, you're facing a lot of quarterbacks that are either unproven or that are mediocre at best. But who knows? I mean, who knows? That's the beauty of the NFL and, and professional sports. It always, uh, always has got a twist for you somewhere. But Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan. I mean, the second half of the schedule, I think, think you get some higher level quarterbacks so who knows i i just i just really don't think aaron robinson is the answer and i, I think galladay is going to continue to struggle um through for the for most of the year so it's like even if you have a decent running game and you're able to utilize your running backs better you still need someone else to step up don't you i think most top tier defenses are going to key on the running backs and then it's like your your tight ends and wide receivers need to step up and i just don't think that's going to happen Mm, gonna be another tough year. What I even I I can't even begin to think about what 2023 is gonna look like. <laughs> I know that's like stupid to look that far ahead, but it's just like I've, I I wouldn't say I've completely written off the season. Again, I'll watch every game. I'll be rooting for them hard. I hope to go to a, a couple games this year. That'd be sweet. But knowing full well that there's just a lot of question marks and just the overall vibe that I get is like uh, it's gonna be a long one.